Hello and welcome to Facing Grace. I'm your host, Layla Schultz-Ames. Today, I'm going to talk about traveling while Black. Stay tuned. So, okay, everybody who knows me knows that I love traveling. And in my pre-COVID life, I always had trips planned. I always had ideas. I had a list of countries and places that I wanted to visit. And I, I've been to 44 countries, but I really had no plans of slowing down whatsoever. I just wanted to see all the countries and go to all of the places. And of course, things obviously things changed a little bit. But that being said, I still think about traveling and I still think about you know, places that I want to go and hopefully uh, in, well, hopefully next year things will be a little bit more, you know, back to normal. But, you know, that being said, even though I'm obviously grounded right now and I haven't been on a plane in ages and I don't have any trips planned, I still think about traveling and I actually thought it would be a really good time to do an episode about it. So I was thinking traveling and traveling as a person of color, sometimes those things don't always go hand in hand. Sometimes people of color, particularly African-Americans, don't always travel as much. So I thought it would be interesting to sort of look at that and also look at the history. So I thought I'd start off just talking about the Green Book. So for a lot of black Americans traveling by car during the era of segregation, the open road really presented a lot of serious dangers and driving interstate distances to a lot of unfamiliar locations. At times, black motorists really ran into institutionalized racism in a number of different forms, you know, it could be from hotels, restaurants that refused to accommodate them, even sundown towns where basically signs were posted that would warn people of color that they were essentially banned after nightfall. As soon as it got dark, they had to be off the roads. They couldn't be in the towns. They couldn't be in the restaurants. So there's a lot actually to think about when you sort of think about the history of that. And there is a book that was created and it was called The Green Book. And also a few years ago, a movie popped up and it was essentially, the movie was also called The Green Book. Um, but for those of you who are not familiar with it, because the movie only sort of sheds lights on, on it a little bit. The Green Book is a Jim Crow, was a Jim Crow era travel guide with extensive listings of hotels, restaurants, gas stations, shops, tourist facilities, etc. that really welcomed black uh, drivers, they welcomed black travels, travelers. And as I said, the book doesn't really get a lot of screen time in the movie. It just sort of talks about it a little bit, but that the real, the real book was really, really interesting. And it really provided a lot of uh, opportunities for black people to leave their homes and to travel. And and without it, I think uh, they probably wouldn't have been able to do that because of the risks that they faced. And as I said, the movie, the, the movie that has the same name, I think that introduced the green book a little bit to more like mainstream audiences it basically it's a it was a film so the film 
is a loose version of a true story. It's sort of this unlikely friendship between Dr. Don Wahlberg Shirley, who was played by Marshala Ali. Uh, he was an African-American polygot. He was a pianist. He had a PhD. And then there's this guy, Frank Anthony Vedlionia, who was uh, known as Tony Lip. He was, he's played by uh, Viggo Mortensen. And he was like a rough-around-the-edges nightclub bouncer. So in 1962... Tony Lip was hired by Shirley's record label, Candace Records, to sort of serve as like this chauffeur and bodyguard during a tour, which included a lot of gigs in the Deep South. So despite the, the 1954 Brown v. Board of Education Supreme Court decision, which essentially that dismantled segregation in public education, it also was supposed to sort of take away segregation in public accommodations and things like that throughout the nation, it didn't, that wasn't always the case. So the story, the movie was about Tony Lip and also uh, not just Don Shirley and the members of the, of the band, but it kind of looked at some of the struggles that they faced when they would drive through the Deep South. So in order to like assist, assist them in this kind of racial landmine, Tony Lip was provided a copy of what was informally known as the Green Book. And so he was primarily concerned with the logistics of traveling around the segregated South. And he had to find areas where they could actually, they could sleep. So this, you know, really was, was a true thing. This was an actual uh, issue and an actual problem, of course. And it's sort of the, the background history behind the Green Book. So in 1930, New Yorker and social critic George Schleyer, he basically admonished uh, those black people who could afford to do so to purchase a car and head for the open road. It, and part of this, too, was public transportation, of course, was was heavily segregated. So he was sort of saying, you know, look, buying a car provides you with a lot of freedom. And it was a good way to sort of go where you want to go and not have to worry about the strict rules of public transportation. But that being said, black drivers had to navigate a lot of things like public restrooms, lodgings, being pulled over by the police, things of that nature. So that's where Victor H. Green came in. He was an African-American New York City mail carrier, and he published the Negro Motorist Green Book in 1936, and it was meant to assist black motorists in finding safe public accommodations during their travel. And his publication kind of became like the Bible of black travelers, and it actually was published annually until 1966. So in, in the 1949 edition, he wrote, Green wrote in the introduction, he sort of provided a historical overview of the first decade of the pu of publication. And he noted that his ideas for this publication actually came from ideas that he had taken from the Jewish press that had a lot of information for Jewish people on where they should stay, where they could go. And so his intended purpose for the guide was really to, as he, in his own words, to, quote, give the Negro traveler information that will keep him from running into difficulties and embarrassments. And he really encouraged black people to grab their guide, grab your car, and 
and head for the open road. So it's it's really an interesting thing when you when you look at when you look at the the history in the earliest you know the fact that this dated all the way back to to the 1930s and obviously continued uh, for several decades. And uh, recently, actually, 10 years ago, there's an NPR interview, uh, civil rights icon Julian Bond actually talked about the importance of the Green Book during his trips when his family was, when he was traveling as a young child with his, his family. And he, he says that, in fact, yeah, his family carried a Green Book and they used to travel in the South and they would use it to find where to eat, where to spend the night. So it really became... an important book for for many black people and I guess I should also point out too I mean it's easy to sort of assume that the green book was just a southern travel guide Uh, but Victor Green really made no assumption that black people would only need his help while traveling in the south so not only did the book include information about international travel it also contained listings about areas in the country where segregation was less visible but it was still felt so actually, you know, in the 1936 edition of the book, there was a 15-page pamphlet that just focused on New York alone, which w- was where the author, he, Victor Green, was in fact from New York City. So he knew a lot of the areas really well, and he realized that even though the North sort of had a better reputation of being less segregated, there were still issues that Black motorists had to contend with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, Green made it really clear. Um, he, he wrote in the 1949 edition that he was optimistic about the future of the United States, if not the future of his book. And he said, quote, there will be a day sometime in the new, near future when this guide will not have to be published. That is when we as a race will have equal opportunities and privileges in the United States. It will be a great day for us to suspend this publication, for then we can go wherever we please, end quote. And the Green Book did, in fact, it was discontinued shortly after its founder's 1960 death. Uh, it was the last uh, edition was in 1966. So that issue actually featured a statement that basically assured patrons that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was, in fact, a fact and not fiction. And so that the struggle for segregation, the struggle of finding, you know, being able to stay wherever people wanted, regardless of their race, essentially meant that the book was no longer necessary. But, you know, as I I do say that, but at the same time, you know, obviously we are in 2020, so things have definitely changed and things are a lot better. But, you know, the nation is still full of spaces like parks or swimming pools, golf courses, sidewalks, parking lots, you name it. There are still areas that are maybe not always the most welcoming towards people of color. about nowadays the current current times and COVID aside just thinking about 21st century traveling I mean obviously I think there's still some issues I think there's still things that pop up and of course for me traveling while black is is something I've always done and I don't know any anything different I mean most of the time that I've traveled I, it's true I have been with white people I've been with my family or my friends or my husband 
but I mean, even if I just travel alone, it's not something that that holds me back. You know, I never think, well, I'm not going to go to this place uh, because I might stand out or I don't want to go to this country because they don't have that many black people. But I mean, it's definitely something that that I always think about. Uh, this summer, I, I did manage to get out of Madrid for a couple of days and I went up north to visit a friend of mine who lives in, in Galicia, northern Spain. And, you know, I definitely know that Galicia is not a super diverse place, especially going to, to her pueblo, to her, her town. And so, you know, the I was something that I was thinking about. It's like, okay, how am I going to be received? What are people going to say to me? How is my experience going to be? And it's so I think it's stuff like that. Sometimes you think about that type of thing, and maybe that's sort of the type of thing that uh, non-black people they don't think about. Maybe in much the same way as a woman. It's like as a woman, I there's places that I sort of think, okay, well, I don't know. How am I going to be received? How how is it? How is my experience going to be? Whereas maybe a, a man maybe men don't think about that they're sort of like yeah I can go anywhere and it's it's going to be going to be fine so I think that yeah there's definitely some things that we think about as people of color that we think about uh before we we sort of go out and travel but as I said it never really it never really has stopped me from going to different places and I think the question a lot of times does come up is like okay so why why don't we see more people of color traveling particularly black people and i i don't know i mean it's interesting i was reading a study recently according it was according to the mandala research firm and they said that 17% of African Americans actually take one or more international trips and they travel locally more than six times per year. So that's that's definitely up more than it was even a decade ago. But I mean, it's still lower, obviously, compared to to white people. And you know, I think there's a couple different reasons for this. And that's something I'm going to, when I speak with uh, my friend Tanisha, uh, it's something that we're going to to touch on as well later on in the episode. But I mean, there, you know, a couple of things too. I think there's kind of this stereotype sometimes that that black people don't travel or that they don't like to go international. And a lot of times too, if you look at travel publications, they often sort of paint this picture of like a stereotypical Western tourist who's like gazing at the horizon, you know, from a from a pool. And a lot of times, at least, it's these like nice couples uh, that are traveling. But it's not. A lot of times, these don't always reflect like black and brown people. So I think sometimes maybe that causes an issue, sort of like psychologically. It makes people feel like oh, maybe this isn't for me, or maybe traveling is not something that is really uh, accessible to to people of color. So I think, yeah, that's a big thing that's under-representation of travelers of color, and I know that Travel Noir, they actually started this campaign uh, a couple years ago that sort of aims to like, challenge these limiting beliefs about the accessibility of travel for black and brown people. So I know that they're creating more of a space, whether it's uh, discussion boards, I think they're trying to add more 
uh, media footage of, of people of color traveling. So I think things like that are really good. I know for me, I, I belong to some online groups that are black women traveling or just people of color in, in Europe and, and different groups like that. And so people are always talking and sharing pictures and sharing experiences about about their travels. So I think stuff like that can be really helpful. I mean, I know for me, even though, as I said, I never let anything stop me. I'm never going to say, oh, I don't want to travel. I don't want to do this because uh, this area might not have black people or but it's definitely there are some things to to sort of think about. And I always talk about, you know, my experiences having lived, of course, in the States, now in, in Spain. And I also lived uh, in China for a year. You know, a lot of times you do stand out and it's not an experience that is always really exciting. I mean, sometimes you feel like, oh, look, I'm special. This is cool. But then other times it's really it really becomes emotionally draining and you just sort of want to look like everybody else and you just wish that people would stop staring at you or trying to come up and touch your skin and touch your hair or ask you questions. So I think that there are challenges that people of color face when they're traveling that, that sometimes does discourage them from wanting to, to get out and, and hit the road. But at the same time, I think it's rewarding. I think Obviously, I'm biased because I love to travel, but I think it's something that's rewarding for people, uh, regardless of, of what race and what color they are. So today's guest is Tanisha. She's a friend of mine. We met last year when we were working at the, the same school, the school that I, I teach at now. And we both share passion for travel. So I'm really excited to have her on the show. And she's going to talk a little bit about her experiences as a woman of color, both living here in Spain and also traveling to different countries. Okay, so for today's episode, I'm super excited to have my friend Tanisha join. And Tanisha's going to talk a little bit about, well, being a person of color in Spain, traveling, and a little bit of everything. So Tanisha, I thought maybe you could start out and just introduce yourself and tell my listeners a little bit about you. Okay, hey y'all. <laughs> my name is Tanisha, and I'm from South Carolina. And I've been living in Madrid for about five years now. Oh my gosh, it was Ooh. my fifth year anniversary last month. Hey, happy anniversary. Thank you. So, um, I'm an English teacher here. And um, what else can I say? I love to travel. <laughs> I love teaching English. Um, and I really love exploring, like, especially different places in Madrid. I think Madrid has so much to offer. Yeah. And I really do enjoy seeing what the city has to offer. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you I think do. Madrid's Madrid's one of those places where it's like you can just, I don't know, walk around. You just go to different neighborhoods. You just experience different things. And I don't know. It's fun. You know, it's it kind is. of fun. It is. Like, I'm from a small town. So all my Rockio people are from Rockio, South Carolina, okay? It's like 30 minutes south of Charlotte, North Carolina. So 
Listen, it's nothing like Madrid. It's nothing like we have to drive everywhere. Yeah. People don't like to walk. I can't even tell you how many times that I actually went to the park. I, mean, I think I went to the park a few times, but he was just like, uh, <laughs> "It's easy." Like, hey, girl, let's go to the park and have a picnic. Okay, cool. You and know, you just go. Yeah, you just go get a bottle of wine and some cheese and hummus. Yeah, all of the day. Yeah. So I really enjoy like being able to not having not being able to not necessarily being able to but always having to hop in the car. I just like to I like walking or catching the metro or the bus and mm-hmm. and you're yeah. there. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's really cool too because a lot of times I know for me like I grew up in a small town area and I think a lot of times people in America especially at smaller towns they don't always leave their state much mm-hmm. less leave their country. And I think sometimes, too, the perception is of people of color that we don't really get a chance to get out mm-hmm. and travel. So I'm curious to hear from you, like, what made you decide, like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, leave my area and move to a different country, and I'm going to start traveling to all these different places. Okay, that's a good question, girl. <laughs> so um, I think it what really sparked... Um, traveling out of the country was um so I went to North Carolina A&T State University okay Aggie Pride and I found out about the international program like the the study abroad office yes yeah and they were like oh yeah you can go to this place and then you can you know take your classes um and still get credit for them so um and they speak english because i was looking for english you know, girl she, she didn't know any other language <laughs> at that time so she was learning spanish but it wasn't going too it was, good for it was her. a process it was a process so i uh stumbled upon this program called uh, uh global semesters now i think they changed the name and it was in cyprus and girl let me tell you i was 19 at the time i hadn't been on the plane <laughs> i hadn't been out of the country yeah Listen, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. You did into. not know what you were doing. So, when I went there, when I went to Cyprus, oh my gosh, it just, like, just sparked this interest and this ambition. I was like, oh my gosh. I like, love it. I can go anywhere. I love you know? it. So, it just really opened my eyes to that, really opened my eyes um, that there are, there are more places in the world to see. Yeah. Not just your country. Yep. And so, after that, I was like, I gotta go. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I know for me, like, I... Well, I always like traveling, but my first time living overseas, I was 19 also. I was about to be 20, and I ended up studying abroad in Salamanca, actually, right here in Spain. Oh, yeah! Yeah, and I was like, wow, like, this is this is pretty cool. I mean, uh-huh. this is, you know, I really like this this international life. And I do remember that a lot of people were kind of, like, surprised, I think, to see me as, like, a black person, a black woman. And they're like, oh, like, you like to travel? Like, oh, that's kind of, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was wondering if you've ever gotten that sort of, I don't know, reaction from people. Like, oh, wow, you're black and you're traveling. Girl, like, absolutely. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Um, In Cyprus, mm, not so much because they were, um... There was a huge African population in ah, Cyprus. Yeah. Well, not huge, but they they knew. But it was yeah. Um, but in Spain, girl, <laughs> listen, I don't think the way these people were looking at me, they were, they were like, I don't know who this is. They like, did not know what was, was like, going who on. Is this this brown round person <laughs> walking down the street? I was like, it's me. <laughs> Surprise! So Surprise, girl! I was like, I got something to 
on my face? <laughs> Am I ugly? I just couldn't believe it. And that was my first year here. And I really, it really got to me. Yeah. Because I could not understand why people stared at me. Because I'm like, there's other black people here. Right. That look just like me. And like what? Why are you looking? There's nothing to see. I know. I was like, "Cause yeah. I'm round." Yeah. Know, what is it? Cause I think I see round people too. Right. So I could not understand. Yeah. I couldn't understand, and I wanted to just like put a paper bag over my head. Yeah. It was like to the point where I was just exhausted. I was just tired because it was everywhere I went. But you know, now I realized. Well, people tell me it's like you know Spanish people just like to stare. You don't think? First of all, in, for my standards in life, that's rude, okay? Right, I for think for rude. Americans, we look at that as rude. Yeah. I mean, and that's something I, I felt like that too when I was in China. Because oh, I was, when I was 22... Ma'am, of course. Right? I decided, you know, I had never been to China before. And oh. I had this opportunity to go teach English. And I I just thought, well, I'll just do it. You know, I, I, I thought it would be a great experience. Mm-hmm. And it was. It definitely was. But... I mean, from day one, from the moment I got off the plane, it was like jaws were hitting the floor. <laughs> People had their cameras out. They were pointing. They were not even pretending to be subtle. It was like, oh, my God, look at that person. Like, what is she doing here? I mean, in it, like, I felt like I went through a mixture of emotions where it was like, okay, some days I was like, this is funny. I'm a celebrity. I'm like, you know, Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And then other days it was like, leave me alone i just like like you just feel so exposed and so like you can't even i remember i couldn't go to the store without people looking at me and they would look at everything that i bought they would be peering in my cart and then be like oh look what she got excuse me you know and it's like (laughs) (laughs) and it was just like craziness you know and and I know it did happen to some of my, because I was in a program, with there was about 100 of us from the U.S., mm-hmm. and I know that it did happen to some of my white friends, but it wasn't at that same level. No. You know, they would look like, oh, okay, a white person, like, oh, a person with curly hair. But, like, for us black people, because there's a couple other black people in the program as well, it was, like, full-on staring and you just feel like what like i want to crawl in bed and hide you know it's that feeling so so i know i know you're supposed to ask me questions but i want to ask you a question sure so you told me you studied abroad in salamanca yes for the first time yes 19 so how does do you think you got the same well i'm sure it wasn't like the same full-on staring contest Mm -hmm. in china but mm-hmm. how did your how did your experience um how was your experience different from in Salamanca versus China? Well, I think in Salamanca because it is a very international, I would say, place. There's a lot of young people that go to study there, mm-hmm. so I actually met a lot of people from different areas. Really, like yeah, yeah. It was actually very hurt? multicultural. Ooh. I have to say, like. Yeah, there's a lot of people from other parts of Europe, but also, like, you know, Canadians. There's some people from Africa. There are people from New Zealand. Like, it was, it, it seemed a lot more yeah, diverse than, mm-hmm. you know, a place like, like Shenzhen, China. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely did get some looks and comments, but it wasn't the same level as uh, what I experienced in Asia, for sure. Uh, I think that's probably unparalleled. But, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's interesting because 
you know, last Christmas, back when we could travel and move around freely, mm. Tal and I went to Italy, and I love, I mean, I love Italy. Italy's one of my favorite mm. countries. But I remember I, I had this experience in Venice when we were staying at this hotel, and it was, you know, it was nice. It was a decent hotel. And I remember that Tal and I walked into breakfast, and I remember, like, I opened the door, and heads just turned. Like, everybody swiveled around to look at us. And I thought they were must have been like looking at someone behind me, so I started looking too. Like, where is everybody looking? Like, what are we looking at? You know. And then it became apparent they were looking at me, and it was mm-hmm. like I think they're like, "What is she doing here? Why is she in this place?" Right. And you just I don't know. It takes away from your experience, and then you start to feel like something wrong with me. Like, mm-hmm. why am I being stared at? And then I was also kind of like, "Come on, I'm in a city. Like, this is Venice. Like." Come on, you you guys have never seen a black person in Italy? Oh, like, get yeah, out of here with right. that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, right. it's, yeah, it can be interesting. Traveling while black can be an interesting experience. Yes, absolutely. Like, I remember when I went to Rome when I was studying abroad. I went to Rome. I don't think I got really, I don't really remember, you know, being stared at. But I just know, like, the men, like, cat called me. Mm-hmm. They're like, baby, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, yeah. hey, that was it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, pretty probably they were staring at me. But, I'm you know, sure they, were. they were probably saying something and staring, but, yeah. I mean, stuff sounds better in Italian anyway, so I have yeah, to say like, oh, so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. Yeah. Um, also, too, when I went to Morocco, oh, my God. So, I did, like, a seven-day trip throughout Morocco with um, this company. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you know, for me as a woman, because you know Morocco. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been in Morocco. Yeah. We love Morocco. Yeah. Morocco's good. Yes, but I we feel do. like as a single yes. woman, yes. It, it's, um, it's different. It's a culture men, shock. Yeah, men could be a little bit... Um, how can I say? Forward, aggressive. Yes. 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 So, for yeah. me, I wanted my first time experience in Morocco to be with other people, mm-hmm. you know? And then I was like, okay, then if if I like it, which I know, which I did, I can come back on my own. Yeah. But these men, oh my gosh, they called me Oprah. They were like, Beyonce. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm like, I they were like Mama Africa. <laughs> they were like, you got oh, it all. Say, all right, you got everything. it all. Just walking down the street. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> thank you. But it was a little bit much. It's it was a lot. Everywhere that I went. It's a lot. You know, and I didn't, I mean, I love Morocco. The food, the people. Morocco was fun. Everything it's, was yeah. amazing. But the men were different for it. And like haggling, like, if I looked at a bag, they were like, oh, and I asked how much it was. They knew I wanted oh, that bad. Oh, yeah, that happened to me, too, because I love jewelry. Yeah. So whenever I was in the open air markets and you're like, hey, how much is this? And they're on you. But I find it, it's funny, too, because a lot of countries I go to where there are people of color, like I went to Jamaica and I've been to Egypt and Morocco, and a lot of times they think that I'm from that country, you know? Mm-hmm. Even in the DR, too, they thought that I was Dominican. Really? Okay, yeah, and they're like, hey. You know, like, hey, sister, whatever it is. It's really funny to me. I mean, it's nice. Like, I remember when I was in Jamaica, I went, I think it was two summers ago or three. I can't remember. But it was one of, like, the first times I was in a country where it's, like, everybody kind of looked like me, you know? Yeah. Like, they're they're really, like, 
you know, they're pretty dark. Like, you know, yeah. I'm dark, and they're, like, dark, too. Okay. And I was like, oh, wow, like, you guys all look like me. And they all thought I was Jamaican until, obviously, I started speaking. Yeah. But they would, like, talk to me, like, hey, sister, come over here. I can be Jamaican, I guess. I don't know. So that really changed your experience, like, from going, like, majority, like, majority white, European country to like a majority majority black country it's like yes. oh snap like the game's yes. changed yes I mean honestly I think that for me it's like when I think about a lot of the places that I've traveled to because I've traveled a lot but I mean obviously when you go around Europe sure there are pockets of areas that are diverse but mm-hmm. it's mostly you know white people or like when I've been to you know places where yeah like asia for example is like mostly you know asian people right but this yeah like a place like jamaica it was like wow okay that's predominantly like black people i mean pretty much everybody is you know they're different shades of of black but like they're mostly dark and it's like wow like this is kind of cool like yeah i'm in a country where people actually look like me because i'm not used to being in that you know, yeah. type of environment, you know? I feel you. And everybody was really nice. There were, of course, you know, to make it like there's some guys that were, you know, kind of aggressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 90 Day Fiance, yes. you know? But, um, no, it's, yeah, it's definitely, you see a lot, you know, traveling. Mm-hmm. You see a lot. There's a lot that goes on. <laughs> so, for me, I think, um... I went to Panama. Okay, oh, I've never I been went to, to Panama. Panama. First of all, oh, girl, Ooh. I went to Panama City when I was. I think this is shortly after I came back from Cyprus. Okay, nice. I was like, girl, I got to go. Like I was just you like, just ready I to was, go. Like I can do anything right now. So I was like, I'm going. Everybody like scared us. You shouldn't go. They no, like bombing people. They like no. snatching you. They made me nervous. I would like to go. But I still I went. Good for you. I still went. You I was like, Tanisha. forget about what everybody else says. I know that I'd be fine. Listen. Seriously. It was hot. It was so hot in Panama. It was so hot. <laughs> I was sweating every time I walked down the street. But I was so shocked to see people who looked like me nice. in the street. I was like, oh my gosh, these people are And I was so like taken aback. Like such a beautiful country with great food and great yeah. people. I was... I was here for it. And I went to like this, um, I guess like this, this, uh, like, like Afro Panamanian type museum. So I got to see a lot about the, the Panama Canal and how a lot of the, you know, Afro Panamanians helped, um, build the canal and like history. Like to me, I was just like mind blown. It was so, it was so interesting to know. And I also saw like a lot of colorism in the community too. Like yeah, where yeah. I, where I um I was living, I lo- I lived in Cas in Caso Viejo, in the old quarter. And they were like, oh, you know, the old quarter. So like, mm-hmm. you gotta be careful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they say to be careful they because, because it was the brown. Well, they they were brown, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like the nicer part of the city, like there was a lot of people they that as were brown. Um, no, they're white. Okay, yeah. they're like light. They were, like, white almost, you know? So, yeah. they were, you know, working in, like, the, you know, the the offices and all that. Whereas mm-hmm. the brown people, I didn't really see them, you know, working in the offices. Sure. And, 
And where I was living, I was safe. I was like, hey, yeah, fine. Down with that. Like, it was cool. Right, you felt okay. So I feel like there's a lot of, you know, discrimination against people like, oh, like, especially here in Madrid, like, you know, in La Vipiest, they're like, okay, don't go there because it's dangerous. Oh, yeah. Why? Because it's brown people. Yeah, I mean, here. I don't you know. know what I'm yeah, when I first moved here, it was a lot of that. People like, ooh, wait, you live in love. Oof, oof. And that was a place oof. on my list because I want to be around my people. I, th- I thought it would sound great to me. It sounded international <laughs> as hell. It's like, okay, sign me up. Like, that's where I wanted to go. You know? I was like, ooh, that's, that's, that's where I want to live because they always say, like, oh, this is like the most diverse. Yeah, that's know, what I heard too. Neighborhood. And I was like, oh, this is where I need to be. Yeah, but then, I mean, I when I tell people, some people work, we know how it can be, and yeah. you say, oh, I live in the center, and I repeat, ooh, ooh, ooh. But it's like the, white Spaniard, the white Spaniards who say that, like, oh, a lot of people like that. Just because they had one bad experience. Or they or might they not even somebody. have had a bad experience. They just know, okay, people of color and immigrants live there, so that must be bad. Right. You know, that type of thing, so... Girl, I I feel fine, but exactly. When I here, I was I was fine. Like you know, you just got to keep your things close to you in every area. Like I got picked by getting and sold by a white man. So right, I mean I, that stuff happens. Yeah, that happens anywhere, anytime, exactly. any color people so, can pickpocket. Anybody can anybody can steal. Okay, right. anybody can steal. Anybody can pickpocket you. It doesn't matter what color they are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's their it's you know, perception. focus. It's like, okay, since this person is black, that means they must do this. It's a huge stereotype, you know? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the... Yeah, I mean, we see that all over the place. The U.S., Spain, you know, wherever. Yeah. But I think also, too, I wanted to ask you a question about, you know, why, in your opinion, why do you think a lot of times people of color don't travel as much. Like, do you think it's because they're worried about people staring or the perception that people are going to have? Or what What do you think it is? I think now that I've traveled as much as I have now, being like a young brown black woman, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. I think it's because of finances. Yeah, um, that's a, yeah, that's a I thing don't too. think it's more so like if they're afraid. Like I do, like when I... Um, well, before I always like, okay, let me see what brown people are or mm-hmm, how they mm-hmm. have had their, we all have our own experience. Like, right. Everybody some people does. went yeah. to Venice and didn't experience any racism, exactly. but that's okay. That's your own Everyone's experience. got their own experience. But I think it's just finances. Like some of us, I'm sure are working very hard to, you know, taking care of other people mm-hmm. and it might not be in their finances to, to be able to travel outside of the country. Right. So, um, I just feel like that's the biggest thing. I yeah. don't think it's more so yeah. like, Oh, how people treat me there because I think people just go like if they, you know, have it in, if they are able to have that. that experience, it was, the, it was that. Yeah. Like for my mom and my sister, when they first, they didn't even have their passports until they came here. And they oh, were like, yeah. oh, we're coming to Spain because we got somebody international. Oh, I love and it. for me being here, they were like, okay, we're going to save up for it. It's all yeah. about how you yeah. prioritize it. Yeah, it's about it. how you think about it. And so it. they saved up. They came. They stayed with me. And they were like, oh, my gosh, like Madrid is beautiful. Like, I want to come back. You know, we, they were going to come back. Thanks, COVID. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Rona. Yeah, they were gonna come, and we're, we're gonna see again. more of Europe because they wanted to. They wanted to, like, they prioritized their finances, they prioritized their time, that 
this is what we want to do. And I was going to take them. We were going to go to Paris. Yeah, you had a whole thing Portugal. Planned. Like, we had a whole thing that would, we had a whole trip planned. Mm. But it's okay. Mm-mm. One day. We one do. day. Yeah, one day. So, what about you? What do you think is our, is people of color, black people's opinion about traveling? I think, okay, I agree with you that I think finances is, is part of it. I think that sometimes it is like people are worried because I know sometimes I like I, I remember I think you are too with Melon in Madrid on yeah. Facebook and I know like sometimes people are right oh I'm thinking about going to Prague or whatever but was wondering you know if any people of color had been what their experiences mm-hmm. were so I think maybe sometimes people are a little bit nervous to venture out to certain places because they're just not sure how they're going to be received yeah and they don't want to kind of waste not waste but you know they don't want to spend time in a place where maybe it's not friendly towards people that look like us that Mm -hmm. type of thing I know for me it's like I think about it sometimes when I'm thinking of places to go but I'm also just like you know I'm gonna go where I want to go right you know and if you don't like me or you think I look weird it is what it is because I look like you know what I mean it's like no I don't know I've been like pretty dark for 31 years and I'm probably gonna look like this for the next 70 years whatever so Mm -hmm. it is what it is and I'm you know you can't change that right because it's you right you know so I think maybe that's part of it and but no I mean I think yeah finance is a big part of it also you know maybe not everybody's in the position with even if they have the money maybe with work like they can't take time off or maybe they have families and it's like harder you know to travel if you're a family of four versus like a single woman you know Mm -hmm. so I think there's different factors but I hope, you know, I, I'm always excited when I see people, like, that look like me traveling. You know right. what I mean? It's always like, oh, look, there's another black person. Like, You're like, hey, girl! You know, it's like, it's cool. Because it's like, all right, yeah, mm-hmm. we're out there. We're traveling. Like, yeah, I think it's changing. I think more and more black and brown people, people of color, are traveling more and more now. Yeah. Because they're seeing, like, oh, like, if she could do that, I, I do that do too. It. You know what I'm saying? Like, I read um, this uh, travel blogger. Her name is Onika the Traveler. Yeah, I follow her. You follow her yes. too? Oh my gosh. Like, yes. I remember when she first started yeah. about her um, experience in Hong Kong. Yes. That, I followed her. I got into since her stuff. Then. I've been following her since then. Like mm-hmm. She talked about how she stayed. She's like Jamaican Canadian. Yes, Canadian. And, and then that. she went to Mexico. And I like then she her went stuff. to Hong Kong and then met her house. I was like, man, I've been all of this. I've been her entire blog like that's the blog that i followed like i remember oh my gosh like it was so amazing to see like this yeah yeah yeah, this black woman doing her thing i like like, yeah i think oh i think she's cool and she's still doing it yeah and she has a baby and she's still doing it so anything's possible exactly i love it no i think yeah you had a lot of good points and you know it's always nice like i said to hear other perspectives and other opinions so Tanisha, thank you so much for coming on my show. You're welcome to come back anytime. We can talk about anything, travel or whatever. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. (laughs) Thank you, Tanisha, for chatting with me and sharing your experiences. And thank you to everybody for listening and continuing to listen to this podcast. That really means a lot to me. So I'll see you all next week.